Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Detour to Neverland podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Wright, with your go-to podcast for interviews with Disney fanatics just like you. Now, let's sit back, relax, think happy thoughts, and take our Detour to Neverland with this week's episode. On this week's episode, you'll hear from who I, uh, in my opinion, is going to be the least exciting interview on this show, and that'll be myself. Uh, Today I want to walk through the concept for this podcast, um, talk about why I want to start this podcast, um, go through the different people that I hope to interview and and who I want to connect and bring to you guys as the listeners, Um, and my desire for what I want the listeners to gain from listening to this podcast. Uh, We'll run through a little bit of a lightning round and and hopefully get you used to the format of this show of how it's going to run. So let's go ahead and jump into it, and let me explain why I wanted to start this podcast and how I reached this point and why was it finally the tipping point where I pressed the record button, stepped out of my comfort zone, and decided to put this out there. So I've always had this infatuation with Disney. Um, Growing up, my family was lucky enough where we visited probably, probably every year, if not every other year. And of course that went up into about the middle school days and, you know, what kid does not love Disney? You, you view it as the ultimate vacation. It's everything that you could ever want out of a destination. Um, good food, rides, meeting all your favorite characters that you're watching on the movie screen or on the TV. Um, and so it was just everything that, that me and my brother could have, could have ever wanted out of vacation. So my parents kept taking us back. Um, so... I think a lot of children who visit Disney reach that point in their life where it's not as cool anymore. Uh, for me, that was about the middle of, uh, or about the beginning of high school, where you start looking around and realize, all right, I'm one of the oldest kids here. Um, not many of my friends are into Disney anymore, and so at that point, I kind of dropped it for a little while and um, went all throughout high school. Didn't really think about going to Disney World. My family. Um, as huge sports fans, so we we migrated our vacationing and ended up going to try to see as many baseball parks as we could, and those were amazing vacations as well. Um, and finally, once I got to my senior trip, uh, we decided that we were going to take my longtime girlfriend, who's now my wife, um, my brother and his longtime girlfriend, who's now his wife, and uh, my parents were going to take all of us to, on one trip. Um, to celebrate me graduating high school. At that point, I decided, you know, it, it's time to go back. Disney had added, Disney World had added quite a few attractions since we had been back the last time. Um, and we also wanted to head over to Universal and see Harry Potter World. And from the moment I started planning that trip, I viewed Disney World in a completely different way than I ever views it, viewed it as a child. Um, I was able to see that there was more than the rides in Fantasyland or the thrill rides um, in Hollywood Studios, that that really Disney was an experience um, that we soon found out on the vacation that you could, ex- you know, you could um, experience in a completely different way. Um, and from that point on, I was hooked. So 
we were lucky enough where my wife uh, was a Disney fanatic, uh, my sister-in-law is a Disney fanatic, and now pretty much my whole family. Um, since then, we became DVC members. We've really solidified our Disney fandom, and and that's been a big part of our vacationing and, and personal lives up to this point. So, circling back to the podcast, I've always felt this desire or uh, a lack of fulfillment that I wanted to contribute to this Disney community. I wanted to produce content or help people get to Disney or, or help people see Disney in a different way, sort of the same um, enlightenment that I had uh, after I graduated high school. Um, and so we, we as in me and my wife, toyed with blogging. Um, it didn't really work for us. Neither of us are that strong of writers. And we can't. We weren't as committed to it as we needed to be, so it, it really didn't line up with our our passion. Um, we thought about vlogging, but geographically, we live in Tennessee. It wasn't. We couldn't produce content on a um, consistent enough scale in order to really make it what we wanted it to. And so finally, we reached on podcasting might be the best fit um, to to go for this and and try to contribute to this community. And what was important to me is that I didn't want to copy or compete with the shows that I already listened to. So I'd imagine many people who find this podcast uh, listen to WDW Radio with Lou Mangiello or Diz News or Two Men in the Mouse or any of those other great podcasts that they all have their unique style and their unique content that they're able to produce. So I wanted to see if I could find a different uh, route or a different way to attack this. Um, so for me, I wanted to I wanted to set this up as an interview style. So there's so many people that are prominent in the Disney community, like Tim Tracker or um, Lou Mangiello or Casey and the Bear or any of those people who have a strong following and are well connected within the Disney community. And I want to be able to sit down with those people and ask them what. Take me to the moment that you decided that you were going to really contribute and produce content for this community. I want to be able to go to that moment and get a full understanding of what the rationale, what the passion was, um, where they see their content going in the future. And what my hope is, is that it'll share with you the, the different routes and the different ways that if you're on the fence of, I want to get involved in this Disney community, just give you inspiration, motivation, or just show you a different way or, or bring your eyes to, to show you that in this Disney community, there's, there's more than enough room for everybody to produce content and be part of the community to, to uh, interact with each other and, yeah, just just feel like you belong, I think, is the most important part. So I somewhat already mentioned it, but the type of people that I want to interview on this podcast are going to be bloggers, YouTubers, Instagrammers, cast members, shop owners, like a um, Etsy shop owner or someone who makes ears or T-shirts or anything like that, and really just anyone else who's anyone else who has an interest in Disney and wants 
and, and has made a personal decision, either in their personal or professional life, that Disney is going to be part of their everyday life. And that's the biggest thing to me, um, is that I want to get those people who have went all out there, all the way out there, made it a priority, stepped out of their comfort zone, and reached this point where they're fully, they fully have dived in. And so what I want you as the listener to gain is inspiration, motivation, insight how to get started if you um, are on the fence about getting into this world. And just give you and let you um, hear from these people that you follow or that you um, see in the parks or see online or anywhere like that. Just see them in a different light. Hear about where they were at in their life whenever they decided to start um, their show or blog or anything like that or their shop. Um, And hopefully that it'll really um, hit home and, and help us see our favorite people that we follow online or, or that we follow on Instagram uh, in a little bit different light. Uh, and hopefully uh, we see that they're just like us at their heart. They're truly just Disney fans who want to be part of the Disney community um, and that we can reach that same point um, as them by just diving into this community, fully embracing it, and producing quality content that that is unique to us and, and stay true to ourselves and and hopefully fulfill that passion that we all have. So I think that gives you a little bit of a good overview of what I am hoping to achieve out of the Detour to Neverland podcast. Um, it's uh, hopefully something that hits home with, with quite a few people, or, or even if it just it's a few people, then, then it's worth my time and and I hope that I'm able to find people that have felt those same feelings as me, that that you want to do something more with Disney than just um, reading about it or watching videos, that you want to be producing content because you think that you have a good, good um, understanding or a good um, insight into how to help people and, and, and how to entertain people when it comes to Disney. So um, hopefully that makes sense, and, and I'm sure the show will evolve as we as we go further down the road. But um, I feel pretty confident that we're going to be able to get really good interviews um, with real people who who have the same passions and interests as, as me and, and you as the listener do as well. So... Yeah, I'm excited for this trip. Um, and the next thing that I want to jump into is something that we're going to do with all of our guests. Um, it's just a fun way to break the ice or to get to know um, some of the specific things, uh, some of the specific Disney interests that our interview guests have. Um, so I think it'll flow a little bit better when I'm interviewing somebody. Um, but I'm going to give it a shot here solo um, and hopefully will have the same effect. So the first thing is to name all the Disney parks that you visited. So for me personally, um, it's Disney World, all four of the parks, um, and both the water parks. Some would consider Disney Springs a park nowadays. Um, Of course, everybody's visited Disney Springs if you've been down there, hopefully. If not, you've missed out on some outstanding dining and and some uh, 
quote-unquote free um, entertainment as opposed to the parks. Um, I visited a Disneyland and Disney's California Adventure. I believe I was around 12 or 13. Um, ironically enough, it was partnered with a trip uh, to Southern California to see baseball teams as well. So we went to San Diego to see the Padres, drove up to Anaheim to see the Angels, and also went to a Dodgers game. Um, so we just, I think we spent one day in each park and, um, I can probably timestamp it by looking it up because I know it was very shortly after, um, the Paradise Pier Hotel, uh, opened up because that's where we stayed and, and got to, got a theme park view, which was, which is, which was amazing. But I was still in that age period where I didn't really get to, um, experience Disneyland, I think, to its full potential. Um, and then the last one that I would consider a park is we did go to Aulani um, in Hawaii. Um, so it's a DVC re resort. Um, we went last October, and that was just an incredible place. Um, I would highly recommend anybody, whether you're a Disney fan or not, um, Aulani is just uh, some of the nicest accommodations on one of the nicest um, geographic locations in the world. So it really um, hits all the checkboxes for what for what I think many people would want out of a vacation. Um, and as a follow-up to that question, um, I would be interested to know what each of our interview guests is their favorite and why. And so at this point, um, I would have to say that Disney World um, a specific park could be Magic Kingdom um, is my favorite, and I think it's just due to the sheer number of visits, visits, and a familiar familiarity. As you'll see on this show, I get tongue-tied quite often, so just bear with me. I'll work through it. I'll get my point across, and, and hopefully, it's not too obnoxious. But um, Magic Kingdom is is probably what I would rank number one for me right now, and it's just, I think it's. A lot of this that we've been there so many times that we really feel comfortable in that park. I mean, the reveal of the castle as you walk down Main Street is, is second to none in any of the parks. Um, and, you know, it's got some of the best rides and the best, I think more than anything, it's the, it's the ambiance and the, and the environment that Magic Kingdom is able to create. Um, but in 63 days not that I'm counting, we are making our return to Disneyland and California Adventure. Uh, this trip is just me and my wife and her sister, so my other sister-in-law that has not yet been mentioned. Um, we're going to go to Southern California, spend a couple of days in San Diego, go to the zoo, um, explore San Diego for a couple of days, drive up the Pacific Coast Highway, and then end with three days in Disneyland and California Adventure. So luckily we're going to fall right when a um, Mickey's Halloween party will be going on. So we're excited to experience that and compare it to the not-so-scary Halloween party in Magic Kingdom. And just from my research and, you know, watching vlogs and following people on Instagram, I really have really high hopes for Disneyland because I think all the things that make Magic Kingdom, so special to me. Um, you know, just the uh, nostalgic factor, the... Well, I'm, assume, I'm assuming that you probably know that same feeling, that, that it's just... Uh, for many people, Magic Kingdom has a, has a different emotional connection to it. 
And I think Disneyland will have um, a lot of that, those same emotions to offer. So stay tuned. Um, we will probably post a trip report and, and talk about it on this podcast as well about our impressions as Disneyland now. For me as an adult, um, for my wife and for her sister, it'll be their first trip. So I will be very excited to, to see how that plays out and, and see how we can how it racks up against Disney World. Um, so the next thing would be a Disney bucket list trip. Um, for me, it's Shanghai. Um, I think it's probably just because right when Shanghai opened, that's when I got really heavy into watching Disney videos on YouTube or reading blogs or, or following different people on Instagram. And um, so I felt like I kind of watched that park being built. And when it was finally opened... I was just uh, so jealous that I wasn't able to make it there, and, and that I haven't been able to make it there yet. I watched uh, an embarrassing amount of park walkthroughs and vlogs, and I, I feel like I know the park uh, like the back of my hand at this point, and, and so I'll be so excited to go there one day. Um, my favorite ride um, is Space Mountain. I think... Every time I go on it, I feel like it's get it's faster than it was the last time. Um, I'm a I'm definitely a front seat fan of Space Mountain. I know there's just some split decisions on whether you want to be front seat or back seat. But I think front seat just the and and purposely not looking at the track. That feeling on Space Mountain is not able to be replicated on any other roller coaster or thrill ride uh, that I've ever rode. So. Space Mountain ranks number one for me. Um, in contention is Expedition Everest and Soren, um, each of them for their own unique. For Everest, I mean, the story that, that you're able to tell in a thrill ride on a roller coaster like that is remarkable to me. Um, that not only are you receiving the thrills, but you you understand a cohesive story from the queue all the way until you get off and, and get into the... Uh, disembark from the train so and then Soren is just uh it's such a unique ride and um another one that around my senior trip was when um Soren was was opening so it, it was yeah it would it's it's incredible the smells the feeling um and I don't think Unless you're afraid of right, uh, afraid of heights, I feel like everybody loves Soren, which is nice because no matter what party you're with, hopefully everybody will ride Soren, which is always important to me. I hate, I, I really don't enjoy whenever you get to a ride and, and some of your party doesn't want to get on. So I feel like you don't get that as much on, on Soren. Um, so next would be a favorite snack. Uh, snack. So. Of course, it's got to be Mickey-shaped. I feel like that's part of my criteria for anything that I'm going to eat. If they, if they offer it in a Mickey shape, I'm, I'm going to purchase it in a Mickey shape. Um, so for me, it's the chocolate-dipped Rice Krispie treats that you can get in many of the bakeries um, in the different parks. I, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody else say that that's their favorite snack. So I'd be interested if anybody else has those same feelings about them. But just the mix of the marshmallow and the and the chocolate dipped, and then put it in a Mickey shape, I feel like it's very hard to beat. Um, 
I think Dole Whips definitely rank up there as well. Um, and the Mickey-shaped cookies that are also chocolate-dipped hold a special place in my heart. But if you just give me enough money for one treat, I think most of the time I'm going to go for that Rice Krispie treat. Uh, favorite restaurant? For me, it's Boma at the Animal Kingdom Lodge. Um, I think their buffet is has such a wide variety and, and really can hit anybody's palate. And it seems like every time I'm there, I find something new that I didn't get last time. Um, so I feel like the, the, the menu, even if it's the same, it's expansive enough where in one meal you're not able to experience it all. Um, it also really connects with me um, because I went on a study abroad trip to South Africa. And so I fell in love with the food there and, and a lot of those same flavors um, that are used in, that I had in South African cooking, you can also, uh, Boma is able to, to bring that flavor to life. So somewhat, somewhat of a nostalgic feeling that I received there. And then also it's adventurous and, and you get to try something that not many other restaurants offer. Um, so next would be a favorite Disney movie. Um, I feel like the context clues probably gave this away um, due to the name of the podcast and, and everything else leading up to this, but Peter Pan um, will always be my favorite Disney movie. There's so many quotes, so many songs, and so many uh, different scenes that just resonate with me. Um, and it's it's uh, was my favorite movie through childhood, and then it followed me into adulthood as well, which... Um, I'm still able to appreciate it and and see new things about the movie that that I didn't that I didn't see in the previous times I watched it, which I really enjoy. Um, so a favorite Disney song. This one probably relatively new. It, it really uh, captured me and and became my favorite. Is I want to be like you um, by King Louie in the Jungle Book, and the reason being is because we just got a new puppy a couple months ago. And so we decided to name this puppy Louie for a couple different reasons. A, our criteria for, for naming the dog, it had to be somewhat Disney-affiliated. Um, the puppy is a corgi, so it needed to have some a, a British feel to it. If it didn't have British um, um, heritage or... You couldn't trace it back to be an actual British name. They need to at least have a British feel. Um, and I wanted it personally to have some sort of sports reference. And we never thought we were going to find a name. And then shortly before we went to pick up this corgi, Prince Louis um, from William and Kate in the royal family was born. And it just magically checked all the boxes. So... Um, King Louis, we both love the Jungle Book. Of course, like I mentioned, print the new baby Prince Louis. Um, and then my favorite baseball team is the St. Louis Cardinals, which can be construed as Louis. So um, I feel like that was as close as we're going to get. So since then, uh, we've played I Want to Be Like You quite often um, and tried to make it into our puppy Louis theme song. Get him excited to listen to it. Not sure if he's uh, really captured hold of it yet, but to be determined. 
Next um, is a favorite Disney quote. Um, so I've always wrote this quote in a lot of my um, notebooks or anything else where I'm working on school or working on different projects or working on anything for my career. Um, and it reads, all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. The next uh, and the last question that is part of this lightning round, which I now realize is not too much of a lightning round, but I feel like it's good content and, and fun to hear this from hopefully these different people that we're able to interview, is a favorite Disney memory. Um, so it's, pretty, it's a no-brainer for me. It is uh, when I proposed to my now wife um, in Disney World. So I'll try to give the... Um, the short version of it. Um, maybe sometime down the road we'll have my wife Catherine on here to give her version of it because uh, coming as a surprise I'm sure she has a completely different perspective on how everything unfolded. Um, so it was about the this was in August of 2015. Um, I had already graduated from college um, from undergrad. I was in my MBA program um, here in Nashville, and my wife was uh, Catherine was about to go back for her last year of undergrad, so we we're going to be apart for a while. Um, for it's only about an hour drive between uh, where I was going to school and she was going to school. Um, but right before we both started our semesters, was thankfully around the same time that my parents were looking at buying into DVC. And so they had planned this trip to go down and go on the tours for DVC, talk about the number, see if it was something that they wanted to invest in. And so I decided that I would try to piggyback off that. And so Catherine knew that my parents were going on this trip. Um, and so she knew quite a few weeks in advance that they were going to go down for this trip. And so when my parents got down there, I sprung it on Catherine that, oh, they bought DVC, they gave them free park tickets and a free hotel to stay for the rest of the week. Let's drop everything and go down there. Obviously, I had been planning this months in advance, um, and really the DVC trip surrounded the proposal instead of the other way around. But it worked out nicely where my parents ended up did buying, uh, did buy into DVC at that point. Um, but that was the, the that was the surprise element of how I was able to get Catherine down to Orlando from Nashville um, without setting off too many red flags as as much as possible, since we were reaching that point in our relationship. Um, I think we had been dating it for seven years at that point, so we were getting into adulthood, finishing up college, and it was. It was expected that it was about that time. Um, so once we got down to Disney World, it was the very first day. I didn't want to waste any time. The ring was burning a hole in my pocket. Um, so we stayed. We, we arrived um, late one night, um, stayed at the hotel, and then got up the very next morning, and I told Catherine that we were going to meet my parents at the Crystal Palace in Magic Kingdom for breakfast before the park opened. And the key was is that I always knew that Catherine wanted to be, she didn't want to be wearing 
you know, a tank top and some Nike shorts and her proposal pictures. So I had to tell her that um, we wanted to get to the park early and take some pictures. So it might be nice if we dress nice before we went to breakfast and, and then we could always run back to the resort if we needed to and change later on. So I assume that probably gave it away, but I did, I couldn't think of another way to get, to get us both to dress nice without just, uh, explicitly saying what was going to happen. So we got to the park. Um, it was an, uh, our dining reservation was before the park opened. So if you've ever done that, you have to go off to the left and magic kingdom. It's off to the left of the gates, uh, of the normal gates. And you have to show them, uh, your, your reservation on your, my Disney experience app. Um, and then they let you in. And the, the wonderful thing about that point in the morning is that you don't have free reign of the whole park, but main street is definitely open. Um, the path to get to crystal palace and to Cinderella's Royal table are open. So you can walk straight down Main Street with minimal people there, and the PhotoPass people are, uh, the PhotoPass cast members are out ready to take your picture in front of the castle or anywhere else that you like. I, I researched that extensively before we got there because I thought that would be the worst possible scenario if I got down on one knee and there was nobody there to take the picture. I had a GoPro that I set up on the ground uh, to capture video, but I would have, we would have been devastated if we didn't have any pictures of it. So, long story short, um, she thought we were going to Crystal Palace. We actually had reservations at Cinderella's Royal Table. When I told the cast member that that's where we had reservations, I think it was it was all all but done at that point. But we still had a nice stroll down Main Street. Uh, got up to the partner statue and then got right behind it and that's where I proposed. Luckily there was a cast member right there, um, whispered to her softly before it happened what was going to happen so that she was prepared uh, to snap as many pictures as possible and yeah, she said yes, which was the most important part. Um, and then we went and had our breakfast at Cinderella's Royal Table. I don't, I think we barely ate. Uh, we were texting and FaceTiming and calling all of our friends and family uh, to let them know, but you know, we were just grinning ear to ear, um, but it was still, without a doubt, my favorite Disney memory up uh, up to this point, and I, I highly doubt anything else is going to top that. Unfortunately, we were not able to get married in, in Disney World. would have been a dream come true, but... There's things called a budget, and uh, I think it I think it blew that. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. And, and what I always want to leave um, is for our interviewees to leave you, the listener, with one piece of parting advice or what piece of guidance um, that you can give to someone who is looking to make a change to make Disney part of their personal life or career, because um, that's what I want. That's the that's the theme, and that's what I really want the listeners to get out of this. And so, for me, uh, my advice or my insight um, that I've recently discovered is that the Disney community goes past your existing circle of friends and family. Um, 
So I reached a point where I felt as if I couldn't really embrace my Disney fandom because my, particularly my friends, my family, as I've mentioned, is, is pretty heavy in Disney, but particularly my friends in college or, or, um, post-college, none of them share that same affection or, or, um, fandom for Disney. Um, and so I felt like I was kind of a fish out of the water for a long time, and I was uh, truthfully somewhat embarrassed about it. Um, didn't really want to share it, but in my spare time, I would be watching Disney videos or re reading Disney vlogs because that, that brought me joy and entertained me. But that's, that's not something that I could share with anybody that was in my existing uh, circle. But what I've learned is that just by branching out, there's so many people who have that same commitment and same love for Disney as you. And the only step that you have to take is just to go out there, put yourself out there, and you'll find them. And so I think the easiest way, of course, is to meet people on the internet or um, to meet people on Instagram or Twitter or comment on their blogs or um, join Facebook groups for, for Disney fans. and But I think it's easier than you expect to meet people who are happy to go grab a cup of coffee with you at the Magic Kingdom when the park first opens. You know, that would um, love to meet you in person and hear about your story, your Disney stories, and hear about your take on um, what's your favorite ride or what's your favorite park. And I think the biggest thing is is just to understand that this the the Disney fandom community is so accepting, um, and there's room for everyone. All you have to do is just take that first leap, announce that you're a fan of Disney, and that you want to be part of the community. And and I think there's always going to be people there to welcome you uh, with warm arms. So. Hopefully that's not too um, uh, deep or anything like that, but I think I reached a point in my life where, where I felt like I at least had a, a small little void of that. I wanted to express this, um, this Disney fandom, but I couldn't find the right medium or the, or the right way to do it. Um, so I imagine there might be other people in that same boat, and I, I hope this podcast can serve as a medium for you to connect with other people who have the same interests as you. That's the ultimate goal. And with that, that's going to do it for this week's episode. In our next episode, we're going to jump into our first interview, which is really going to be uh, so exciting, and I, and I can't wait uh, to see the insights or, and to um, understand more about some of our favorite people that um, are in this Disney community. Um, I really have some great interviews lined up, so I look forward to sharing those with you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Detour to Neverland. Please feel free to reach out to me at detourtoneverlandpod at gmail.com and visit our website, detourtoneverland.com. There you can find the link to our Facebook discussion group and read our blog with trip reports, tips and tricks, and reviews from the parks. Make sure you subscribe to never miss an episode and drop us an iTunes review with any feedback or suggestions. See you next week for our next episode.